Well, I'll say it one more time. Welcome to Grafted Fall Edition. You guys are glad to be here. Yes. We've been gone for way too long. Uh, and if you don't know me, my name is Sean. It's a, it's a privilege to be here with you. I'm the college pastor at FBC. And uh, I'm just glad that you chose to be with us tonight. A little different layout, a few new faces. Great to have you here. Um, so when I say go, I'm hoping you had a good summer. When I say go, I just want to hear one thing from you from this summer that was awesome in your life. On the count of three, one, two, three, go. Yes. The only thing I heard was New Zealand above everything else. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I hope you had a great summer. You're all back in school except for Terrell, who doesn't start till October. But everybody else is in there. We're back at work. A lot going on. My family did a ton of stuff this summer. And I don't want to tell you about my whole story, but we were in Shasta. We were in Phoenix. We were in Lake Powell twice. I've been to Florida, I've been to Hawaii twice, I was in Monterey today. It's like crazy, all sorts of stuff going on. My oldest is playing volleyball, freshman year, and uh, it's been a whirlwind for us as things have just been picking up in the Farrell home, and now things are going to pick up in the ministry world, and we're just excited to be back. So much fun, but I don't know if you're like this. you feel like you got a lot of plates spinning yet? Paper's starting to be due, work going, a lot of different things happening. You're just spinning one more plate, a lot of different things happening. Well... No matter how much you love summer, and no matter how great it was, it's over, and now you've got to balance all of those plates. So anyway, um, like Ridge was saying, we spent a ton of time planning and working through where this ministry is going, and we're super excited to do exactly what he just talked about, which is to proclaim and put Christ on display. And there's going to be a lot of fun things that you see in different aspects of that, but that's our overall goal, is to help college students know Jesus Christ. And that starts for us with Amazing Friday Nights. We got a lot in store for you, and you're going to learn more about that stuff tonight. Merchandise, coffee, all sorts of fun stuff. You'll hear more tonight about Radix, which are our kind of midweek home groups and community groups that we have together. Um, we're going to have a time where we do what's called study nights this semester. You'll hear more about that, which is don't go to a Starbucks or somebody's house to study for with your study group or your people, whatever. You're gonna come here and have free coffee and all sorts of great stuff late into the night. It'll be awesome. Uh, we're gonna be on MSJC with Campus Ministry, out there inviting people, telling them the gospel. It's gonna be super fun. Gathering is coming back. We got a couple of those planned for the fall and fall classic is right around the corner. And I can't wait. There's so many good things happening and we're excited that you've chosen to join us and uh, I can't wait to get going. But I've missed being with you. I hope you guys have missed being here. A little bit? Yeah. All right. Well, I love being in this room with all of you. There's a ton of energy tonight, and it's fun. Uh, if you're new with us, thank you so much for coming. I know it's a little awkward walking into somebody else's house with people you don't know, and you're brave enough to come, so thank you for doing that. It's great to have you here. Uh, you're in for a treat because the people around you, while they're not perfect, this is a great group of individuals. Not a ton of clicks here, just a lot of people that are trying to figure out life together and how to honor God um, through their lives joining the community together. And uh, the reason that we are all here as broken people, I'm going to say it a third time because Tyler said it, and then Ridge said it, so it's a fourth time because I already said it, but we want to help you to know Jesus Christ. So anyway, all that to say, if you're new with us and you already know Christ, you're a Christian, and just looking for a group to fellowship in, hopefully this will be your home. And if you're somebody that's coming going, I don't really have a relationship with God. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of here because a friend invited me. There's cute girls here. I don't know, really. I'm just here. Well, we hope that you find Christ even tonight. Stick around. Get your questions answered. Stay here. Just listen to what the Bible says and hopefully get some instruction on that. Well, before we dive in to the topic of Proverbs, I just have to preach a separate message because this message is really short and uh, 
So there's another one that's on my heart and mind, and I can't get my Bible to go there, but I know the verse by heart. I'm preaching on Sunday morning, and it's just been brewing in me all summer, but it's Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 about forgiveness. And so maybe you're not going to make it Sunday, so I'll just give you like the 20-second version because it's just, it's just oozing out of me. But, it, but Paul says, let all bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and slander, along with all malice, put it all away, he says. And then he says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And I've just been reminded that there's a lot of interpersonal conflict. I've dealt with some stuff this week that's been super heavy in my own life. I'm sure you have as well. And the cause of conflict certainly is the first offense that comes against you. But the real cause of conflict is the fact that as people that are hurt, we don't actively forgive. Have you thought about that? The real reason that relationships are broken, that churches split, that marriages end is not because of the first sin. It's because the second sin of what? Un unforgiveness. Anyway, I've just been meditating on the fact that we are to, to be kind and tenderhearted, that we are to forgive each other and be gracious to one another. It says, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And the, 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 the part where my head explodes is the fact that God took me, who was so worthless and so deserving of condemnation and judgment, and he took me and he forgave me. He was kind and tenderhearted towards me. And he brought me into his family, forgiving me of all of my sin. And, and how could I then not extend a smaller level of forgiveness to somebody else when God has done so much for me? So anyway, come Sunday morning, you'll hear that unpacked. But in the meantime, you got a little taste of it. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Christianity is that God takes people who are offending him, who are in conflict with him, conflict with everybody else, and he takes us and he removes our sin from us, gives us a new heart, and allows us to have a relationship with him because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And that's amazing. So I'm just excited about that tonight. And that's why we love Christ, we serve him, and why we forgive others. But tonight, we're going a different direction. That's message one. Message two. Um, we're going to just set the table, just an introduction to where we're going this fall. So we're not going to go long, we're not going to go deep, but we are going to talk about the Proverbs. Our theme for the semester as we topically work through the Proverbs is this. You ready? Write it down. You'll have it memorized by the time we're done because I'm going to repeat it over and over and over again. Living wisely in God's world. Living wisely in God's world. What does that mean to live wisely in God's world? Well, this is his place, and we want to know how he has given us instruction because when we follow his rules and his standards, guess what? It's pretty easy to know that life is going to go in the right direction. Well, living wisely in God's world entails a lot of different things. And, and honestly, tonight, like I said, you can hold me to it, Dave. We're going to go short. I'm just going to answer four. I think it's four questions. Let me tell you how many questions it is. Five questions. <laughs> Yikes, we're not going to go as short as I thought. Okay, five questions. This is just simple, just to get us into the Proverbs. Question number one. Are you ready? Simple overview. What are the Proverbs? What are the Proverbs? Maybe you went to an old summer camp at Lake San Antonio, and you had the haikus with John Stead in the morning. Few of you remember that. These are different. The word proverb is from the Hebrew word mashal. And I don't really care about anything else except the fact that I'm taking Hebrew in seminary right now and I can actually read that word, although I don't know what it means. But it means, as I looked it up, it means a parable or a basic discourse, mashal, the word for proverb. And in general, the proverbs are, if you will, and you know this, it's a book in the Old Testament 
right? It comes right after Psalms. It's in the wisdom literature, which is Psalms, excuse me, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and? Okay, sure. And Song of Solomon. Isn't that part of the wisdom literature? Does anybody know? This is why we need Chris Ike. Because he, the, he, he is, he's right there. The professor knows all these things. Anyway, the Proverbs in general are a collection of short sayings that state general truths. And they're designed to promote wisdom. Tyler said earlier, they're very practical in their nature. They're often pithy. I like that word pithy. I don't really know what it means, but it sounds good. They're pithy, creative pictures that give insight into life and give us instruction on how to live in God's world wisely. Uh, in short, they're designed to give wisdom by provoking thought, by creating paradoxes, by causing us to use common sense, symbolism, and even wit instead of making us dive deep to try to figure something out in a full frontal assault like we normally hear with preaching, this is a lot of kind of side entrances and other kind of thoughts that get you thinking, get you off your normal pathway as he's getting you into a spot where you're like, I got to really consider that to understand it. You could call the Proverbs the utterances of the wise. You could say that they're maxims. You could say that they were popular sayings of the time, but mark this, they're inspired by God because they're in his word. They were collected into a written form, and they currently take up 31 chapters in your Old Testament. Now, by design, like I already said, they're not difficult to decipher. They're not tough to interpret. The, the meaning of a parable is clean and clear for anybody that wants to read it and spend enough time to think about it and dwell on it. Here's an example. Don't turn there. Simple. Proverbs 17.10 says this. And let me just see if you can pick, pick this up in your mind. See if you understand this. This is just one I picked at random. A rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. <coughs> Bless you. A, rebu a rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Pretty straightforward. Well, I'll just tell you my interpretation of this. When confronted or even rebuked, the wise allows what is said to go deep into their heart and they change as a result. But you could punch a fool a hundred times and tell them as they punch them in the face and they would not respond. The difference between wisdom and folly there, right? You make less progress hitting this guy than a wise man with one cut and one word who will receive the counsel. A fool's deaf, in other words, to his own shortcomings, he won't listen. These are, these are easy things, right, to understand. That's how the majority of the Proverbs are. Here's another one, Proverbs 27, 15. A constant dripping, like with water, on a day of steady rain and a quarrelsome woman are alike. I'll just leave that one alone. Now, there are single verse expressions, and they're also what we call truisms. Uh, like I said, they're maxims. That's to say they, they give you general principles. Listen to this. The Proverbs are not promises. Just because it says something doesn't mean you can bank that that is going to happen 100% of the time. It is what's called, here's the definition, a truism. It's a directional truth. Okay? Um, they're general principles, not guarantees. For example, you've heard Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, that's not a guarantee that if you train up a child and you do really good parenting, that that child is going to grow into a really functional, godly adult. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a truism. If on the most, if you do this, the general principle is you train your children up, they're going to stay in that direction, but it's not a guarantee because many of us know you have siblings, you have friends, you've watched other people who are great parents, godly parents, and their kids go off the rails. 
And there's a point where you go, well, is the proverb wrong? Well, no, it's not a guarantee. It's a truism, like I said. Short, pithy statements. Put that, write that word down in your notes, pithy. You're going to want to use that at some point in your vocabulary over the next couple of weeks. They express general rules or general truth, rules of conduct, but again, not a guarantee. Okay, so that's number one. That's what the Proverbs are. Simple? Easy? Okay, number two. Who wrote the Proverbs? Who wrote the Proverbs? Answer? Oh, okay, good. But, but who wrote them with their hand? Mostly. Seriously? All right, I'll give you the hint. His name starts with an S. Solomon. Okay. But there's two different answers, but they were both right. If you open a Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, are you guys there yet? I'm sorry, open your Bibles to Proverbs 1, 1. See, Brooke's already there. She got it. Megan's there. Good. You guys get extra points. The extra credit will come in at fall class. Like you can cash it in then. Proverbs 1, 1. It says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. If you're having a hard time finding the Proverbs, open your Bible directly to the middle and go one book to the right. That's where they are, okay? Right after Psalms. Proverbs 1.1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. He wrote chapters 1 through 22. He wrote chapters 25 through 29. But there's a few other guys that are in here too. Part of chapter 22 through 24 are just referred to as the sayings of the wise. They're just a collection of old um, Jewish Proverbs. Chapter 30 are called the words of Augur. A-G-U-R is his name. And chapter 31 is the wisdom given from the mother to the king of Israel whose name was Lemuel. Everybody say that on the count of three. One, two, three, Lemuel. Good. In Hebrew, you, you always accent the last syllable of a word. Lemuel. It's really weird. Unless there's a little accent sign before that. There are so many rules in Hebrew that you want to just poke your eyes right out of your head, okay? And you just pray that you get through the semester before you have no eyes left. Anyway, um, we're going to focus on Solomon for the time being because he is, as we all know, the, the main writer here. We know that he is the son of David and Bathsheba. We know that he is the most prosperous king in the history of Israel. And I want to just give you his story really quick because it's super cool. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. So it's to the left a few books. Um, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. And we're going to read a little bit here. And so, so you want, you're going to want to be there um, and see the story of Solomon. I love this. Just to give us a little background. It says in 1 Kings 3, 5, In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night. And God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. This is the, this is the Aladdin moment. Like, this is, God is a genie if you will. Is that interesting? It does not work that way for us. It does not work that way for anybody else, but God came to Solomon and said, ask me what you wish me to give you. In verse 6, then Solomon said, you have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father. By the way, David's a good dad because Solomon is dialed in. It's not till later in his life that he goes off the rails because he lets his heart go astray with multiple women um, that don't love God and etc. But but he says this, you have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Look at seven. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. Yet I am but a little child. Humility is demonstrated. I do not know how to go out or to come in. 
Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great number who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. This pleased God, that question. That's really interesting. You should mark it in your Bibles. Verse 11, God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, that would be one. That's your first wish. I want to live forever, right? Your second wish, I want to be rich. You haven't asked for riches for yourself. Well, third would be, for the, you have not asked for the life of your enemies. You would probably ask for what? No, that's number two is money. Oh. Number three, what? Come on. You want who? Her. Oh. Come on. Really? That's like a mystery? I want to live forever. I want to have a lot of money, and I want to have her. I want to have him. Anyway, those are the typical three. But anyway, you haven't asked for those or for the life of your enemies. But you have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Verse 12, behold, I have done according to your words. God's saying, I granted it. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. You think of the brightest minds, and we'll look at this in a minute, in the world today. And all that we're doing in science and technology, no one touched Solomon, the greatest pastor, the greatest theologian, the wisest, smartest counselor, the most technical, mathematical, engineer-minded person. Solomon, it says, no one was like you before or after. Verse 13, I've also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor. Oh, he got it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so there will not be any among the kings like you all your days. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes, that's the if-then statement, and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. Then Solomon woke, and behold, it was just a dream. And he came to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, offered burnt offerings and made peace offerings, and made a festival or a feast for all his servants. He goes on then. His wisdom is demonstrated because God answered the story about the slicing of the baby in half. A woman rolls over at, at, at night. It's, it's a, a two prostitutes in a house together. They both have babies. She rolls over. She smothers her baby. It dies. She goes into the other room. She switches the babies so that it looks like the other baby is dead and the other person. And the woman comes in the morning. She goes, it's not my baby. That's my baby. They get into an argument. They go before Solomon. This is all in chapter 3. They go before Solomon. And Solomon listens to this. And everybody's going, what's he going to do? And he says what? Cut the baby in half and give half to each woman. And the woman who's, who was the real mom says, no, let her have it. Let her have him. I'd rather see him live than, than be killed and be with somebody else. And Solomon goes, there's the mom right there. And it says in verse 28, look down there. When all Israel heard of the judgment which, which the king had handed down, they feared the king. For they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. That's cool. That's cool. That's a tough situation. And Solomon handled like no big deal. Look over at verse, chapter 4, verse 20. It says that Judah and Israel, his kingdom, were as numerous as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. They were eating and drinking and rejoicing. Verse 24, for he had dominion over everything west of the river, from Tipshah even to Gaza, over all the kings west of the river, and he had peace on all sides round about him. This is the best time in all of Israel's history. Verse 25, so Judah and Israel lived in safety, every man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. Look at verse 30. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. 
for he was wiser than all men. It lists a bunch of names there. We don't know who they are. And his fame was known in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He, just, he was really trying to get over that 1,000 mark, and he did, which is awesome. So high, we'll high-five him when we get to heaven. He spoke of trees, verse 33, from the cedar that is in Lebanon even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He understood everything about nature. He had all understanding in terms of what was going on in the physical world. He spoke also of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. He was a botanist and a paleontologist and an arborist and a librarian probably for AJ. He had all sorts of things going on. Verse 34, men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. The dude had crazy wisdom. But let's remember where his wisdom came from. Because when I asked you who wrote the Proverbs, I heard somebody back there say, the theologians in the back, God did. And that's actually true. So I'm going to give you some credit because Solomon wrote it with his hand or people recording for him. But these are the divine words of God. This is the wisdom of God given through the pen of a man named Solomon. In Psalm 19.7, it says, It is God who makes wise the simple from his word. In Psalm 119, verse 98, it says that his words make one wiser than his enemies. And it gives somebody more insight than his teachers. Job chapter 12, verse 13 says that with God are wisdom and might. To him belong counsel and understanding. Psalm 147, 5 says that, that his understanding is infinite, which is an amazing thought. Romans eleven thirty three 33 says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. The simple reality is that God knows everything. We call that his omniscience. He has never learned. He has never had to acquire information. He has never had to come up to speed on something. He's never missed anything because he didn't know all the pieces of the puzzle and put it together. He knows every piece of knowledge, every piece of information. He has it all. And in this book, the book of Proverbs, he has penned those things and he's concisely brought it down to a form and he's handed us his wisdom. That's amazing, isn't it? He's given us his wisdom in the form of his, the writings in his word. So, that question, who wrote the Proverbs? Solomon did, but really it's the wisdom of God. Question number three, why were they written? Why were the Proverbs written? I got three simple reasons, and I'm sure there are more than this, but these are the three that I see. First of all, to impart wisdom. That's what we've been talking about, right? The Proverbs were written to impart wisdom. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 1 with me, if you will. Um, And let's look at at verses 2 through 6. No, now you're all quiet. Proverbs 1, verses 2 through 6. It says, the Proverbs, verse 1, of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. here's, Here's the why. To know wisdom and instruction. To discern the sayings of understanding, verse 3, to receive instruction, there it is, in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. If we want to just tie a bow around all of that and give you to a nice little package, uh, what was just said, it is to give wisdom to those who don't have it. That's why the Proverbs were written. It's pretty simple. It's to help us to live w- wisely in God's world, right? It's to impart not just facts, not just formulas, 
not just information. We can get all that on the internet. This is to give wisdom, how to navigate through life's most difficult times in a way that makes sense so you don't burn everything down. It's to put your sail up in your boat and to start sailing and not just hope you're going the right direction, but to know that where you're going is right so you don't get halfway through your life and go, holy cow, how did I get out here in the middle of nowhere? Not knowing where to go or what to do. The book is written to give wisdom so that we can know how to honor God in his world. It's simplistic, it's easy, it's memorable, but oh, how helpful it is. If you would just take one of these verses and meditate on it through the day, you will grow in wisdom and how to handle difficult situations. Look at chapter four, verse four. I like this. We'll come back to this one a couple times here, but it says, then he taught me and he said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. It's actually Solomon's dad talking to him, David. Keep my commandments and live. Here is acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, speaking of wisdom, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. He is trying, pushing, helping us, and saying, you need wisdom. You need to have understanding. You don't need more information. You need to know how to apply that to the difficult situations that are your life. We'll talk about that more when I finish, but that's the first one. The second reason, not just to give wisdom, but because Solomon was a good dad. And he wanted to teach his own sons. And over and over and over again, as he tried to raise his boys the right way, he makes these kind of comments. Look back at chapter 1, verse 8. This is Solomon talking to his boy. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Look down at verse 15. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. Can you just see him talking with his son as he goes? Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep your heart, but in, let your heart keep my commandments. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. What is the point? Solomon wanted his boys to know. And, and here's the simple truth. You may not have a great dad. You may not have a dad that loves Jesus Christ. That's okay. But, but in this book, you have a father who is going to teach you wisdom. You have instruction here to help you that maybe you didn't get great instruction from a dad growing up. But now guess what? You have a father who's going to speak to you in a way that's helpful. I think of one pastor that I know who used to take his boys um, and when they were 16, 17 years old and go park out in front of a strip club. What? Really? And you know what? He would read, we're going to get here in a couple weeks. He'd read Proverbs 5 and 6 to them that speaks about the adulteress, how she comes out and lures a man in. How it looks, this guy is literally, the Proverbs call him a loaf of bread as he goes in to what is like the ox being led to the slaughter. And he imparted the wisdom of the Proverbs applied to a real life situation to prepare his boys for what is coming for them in this world. That's what the Proverbs give to you is that type of wisdom painted on a canvas, given to you in pictorial form so that you can see it and understand it and not get more information, but get what? Wisdom to live in those situations. I only gave you through chapter four, hear my sons the word, all the way through 31 chapters. It repeats and repeats and repeats. My son, listen to my words. My son, listen to my words. So we got two reasons why they're written so far, to impart wisdom and to teach 
us as sons and his own sons. Thirdly, briefly, is to promote the fear of God. Proverbs were written to promote the fear of God. In chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. I like chapter 9, verse 10, very similar. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. He wants us to know who God is. And in knowing God and in raising our perspective of of God and our picture of who God is in our mind to live in light of that reality. That is the fear of God. To respect and honor him, to live in light of that knowledge. And so he writes for that purpose. Okay, question number four, we got to keep moving. Why are we studying the Proverbs? That's why they were written, but why are we studying them? I've already kind of alluded to this, but let me give you a few more things. Because the answer, while straightforward, needs to be said. Here it is. Are you ready? You guys look up. The reason we're studying this is because you need wisdom. You need wisdom. You need wisdom. See, I emphasize each different word there. It says like three different things. I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I need wisdom. Okay? We need it. There are so many things happening in your lives right now. Like no other time in your life, this is a season of decisions. And it's not just a season of decisions, it's a season of big decisions. And it's not just a season of big decisions, it's because at this early point in life, these big decisions put you in a spot where your life could go this way, or this way, or this way, or that way. You're making choices that are going to affect the rest of your time on earth. It's super significant that you respond and understand how to live right and wisely in God's world. Endless decisions for you. Should I go to school? Some of you are dealing with that right now. It's a big decision. Should I go back to school? Should I transfer to another school away from here? Should I move out of my parents' house? What should I major in? Where should I work right now? Should I change jobs because of this situation? What should my career be? What what direction am I going in ministry? Where should I be serving the Lord? Who should my friends be? Uh, Should I buy that car? Should I put debt on that credit card? What's the answer to that one? Okay, that's simple. Not in the Bible, but simple. Okay, it's good. Should I date that guy or date that girl? Should we move towards marriage? These are massive, massive decisions. And unfortunately, they come to you as young people. No laughs, right? I've heard it said before that youth is wasted on the young. And I don't believe that. That's not biblical. But the simple reality is that you, all of you need help. You do. And you can go to your favorite app. You can check on the website. You can talk to the three friends that are going to agree with you, right? You can look for, you can go to counsel, to your same counselors, and look for permission as opposed to real godly counsel. Um, but, but they're complicated days. So many different messages hitting you from the media, from our politicians, from your school. Who should you listen to? How do you make those big, hairy decisions and do it the right way? Well, it's our goal this semester to give you not just the right answers, but God's answers. Because each one of those things is not a mystery. 
And certainly the word of God is not going to tell you in between the white lines, you know, in, in the white spaces, go to UCLA. Although you should probably try to get into UCLA because it is the greatest school on the planet. If you can't get into UCLA, I would suggest transferring to College of the Canyons. That's a great junior college where they're the Cougars. And we used to do this all the time. Wow! Just because, who, who even knows what the, uh, I know, it was designed to be goofy. That was the whole point of it. But do you even know what the mascot is of your junior college? See? Just as goofy. That's what I'm talking about. That's just part of it. It's a junior college, for crying out loud. Anyway. <laughs> but the simple, the simple truth is that these decisions, while difficult, God has given instruction, and he's laid out a pretty clear pathway. And he may not spell out the name of who you're supposed to marry in an acrostic in his word, but certainly there are things that you can go to and people you can talk to in his word to find help for making these kind of decisions. Flip over to James chapter 1, verse 5, all the way to the end of your New Testament. All the way to the end. James chapter 1, verse 5. I love this. We usually stop in verse 4. For those of you who know the book of James, it talks about when trials come, we've got to consider it all joy, right? I've got to endure because endurance is going to lead to the perfect man. Like, I'm going to stay in this thing. I'm going to have joy in this trial. And then we close our Bibles. Look at verse 5. In that trial, when you're struggling to consider whether or not you should stay in that thing, difficult situation in life, so much hardship as you're seeking to have joy in that tough situation. Look at verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom... In other words, I'm in a tough spot. I don't know where to go or what to do. So you are lacking what? You, yeah, okay, good. Any of you lacks wisdom, what does it say there? Let him ask of God. Well, there's a novel thought. Don't ask of Google. Don't ask of your same three counselors that give you the same cruddy advice. Ask of God who gives, look at that phrase, to all generously and without reproach. God wants to pour out wisdom to you the way he did with Solomon. That wasn't a one-time deal. He asked a, a great question and God said, I'm going to give it to you. And here is the confirmation that God will give wisdom to you as well. Oh, look at that last phrase. Ask, God will give it, um, excuse me, at the end of verse 5, and it will be given to him. That's awesome. Verse 6. But he must ask in faith without any, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Look, you have an issue. You have decisions to make. And you and I need to get on our knees and sincerely, with the faith, that trusting in the perfect plan of God, say, God, I need help. Will you give me wisdom in this? And then you don't just take a step. I'm going to take a step of faith and make a decision. That's not how wisdom works. Wisdom goes to the word of God. I'm getting ahead of our Proverbs series here. Wisdom goes to the counsel of other godly older people than you. And wisdom lets you use your own brain to take as many steps as you can to the end of the diving board up to the cliff. Most of you are like, if this is the edge of the cliff right here, you're back here. You go, well, I'm just going to jump for it. And you're like, well, yeah, but you're still going to land on the ground, right? <laughs> That's not... That's not faith. The, the pathway of wisdom is you go to the word of God. You ask God for wisdom. You go to counselors. You do research on what you're doing. You're taking steps with each one of those things. And then when you get to the very edge of the cliff, you have done all of your work and human responsibility. And you say now, God, I trust you. 
and I'm going to take that next step where I can't see. That's faith. But don't jump from six steps back. Anyway, that's another message. But you've got to come to God on your knees, trusting his perfect plan and saying, please give me wisdom, not double-minded, etc., not doubting. In chapter 2, verse 6 of Proverbs, it says this, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. It's there. Your, your God, the one that you serve, who loves you, who has forgiven you, who has got a, a, a place in heaven for you, who has reserved you and put you into a spot as his child for all eternity, wants to lavish generously wisdom into your life so that you have the most, I'll use this word, successful life you can. He wants to bless you with that. But let me say another thing. And this is why we're studying this. According to the Bible, you young men and you young women are novices at life. In the Proverbs, you are the naive one. Oftentimes, you are the fool. If you're getting upset, I'll put myself in there. We are the fools. I'm fine with that. But the, typically, when the Bible refers to the young man, it's usually not as a positive thing, right? He's out doing something dumb, calling somebody a name, go up, you bald head, and then the bear comes down and kills all of them. Like different crazy things happen. That's Old Testament. Leave it alone. Um, but typically, it's an illustration for somebody who does something the wrong way. Like here's the young man again, idiot. It's kind of where the, where the Bible goes. It makes blockheaded, unwise decisions. And, and this is the case even today. And I'm not trying to pick at you, but most young people think they know everything. Think I've got it all figured out. My parents, has-beens, retarded, dumb, they don't have a clue what's going on in 2019. It's a different world. And I'd agree it's a different world, but the same things and the same fiber that's in you is what was in them. They gave it to you. And here's another little key for you. They figured out how to get a house. They figured out how to have a job and a car all these years. They figured out how to have kids and procreate and make you. They figured out how to get to get, like all these things happened. They were just like you 20, 25 years ago. They're not as dumb as you think. But most young people think, I got it all. My parents are old, they're dumb. I got life by the tail. I got it figured out. They don't know. Life was different. I know better. And like I said, there's a little truth. They're a different world. I get it. Your parents don't know how to use their phones, okay? It's fine. <laughs> it's not what I'm talking about. Because what I'm trying to say is that those statements that you're making or thinking, they come from a heart of arrogance. They come from a heart that says, I'm better. I know better. I'm smarter. I'm superior. I won't make the same mistakes because I'm me and I got this. The interesting thing is that the older that you become, the more that life beats you up the more you feel the effects of sin in yourself that you cause problems and problems are caused in your life, the more humble, the more dependent, and the more you realize that you are in desperate need of the wisdom of God. This is a complicated world. There are a lot of difficult things that surround us every day. And the Bible is helpful. So, you don't have it all figured out. And you might say to me, but Sean, I just learned by experience. You know, I, I, I'll be okay. I learned by experience best. That's the code for I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to learn by my failures. 
and you learn by failures, but there's a better way. You don't have to fail. You don't have to get into a marriage and divorce and then figure it out. Well, now I got it figured out. You don't have to get fired from your job, right? You don't have to get kicked out of school because of some dumb thing that you did. That making mistakes is not applicable to the Christian. You know why? Because God has given us his word, he's given us his wisdom, and he's given us other people to help us so we don't have to repeat the same dumb mistakes that people before us made. But young people, and I, I do this sometimes too, we don't think we need that, and we just plow on ahead. So, this semester, we're going to go deep into living wisely in God's world. That's the theme, to help you in this time, to look at some really specific things that will help you as an 18 to 24 go, how do I walk in a way that honors God and not screw this whole thing up, but have a blessed and awesome life? All right? So number five, and really quickly, what are we specifically are we going to look at? Like I said at the beginning, we're not going to work verse by verse because we'd be in this thing for the next 15 years. Nor are we going to study an exhaustive list of all that's here. I would recommend even now, just put it, I put in my ears at the gym and just listen to the Proverbs go. And it's like, man, there's a lot of them. But, but if you, they say there's 31 of them, read one a day. And it'll take you through in a month, one chapter a day. That's a good idea. I would encourage you to just put this into your normal practice as we're going. It's helpful. But we're going to do a flyover. We're going to pick a handful of pertinent, important topics. And we're going to go into depth on those topics. Next week, um, Jevitz is on. Pat Levis and Natalie, our newest staff people. We'll hear about them someday. But what are you preaching next week, Pat? We're going to be talking about self-control. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I know. We're, we're coming out of the blocks swinging. Can you come out of the blocks swinging? You come out of your corner swinging. What do you come out of the blocks doing? Yeah, yeah, anyway. After that, here are some topics that we're going to look at. We're going to look at the topic of money. We're going to look at friendships. We're going to talk about sex, baby. We're going to talk about work. We're going to talk about discipline. I should just be done. It's good that I'm getting out now so I don't do this on Sunday morning in front of the church. But that's no story. We're going to talk about how to navigate difficult situations. We're going to talk about how to speak in a way that's helpful. The Proverbs say that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Really interesting. And how do we control that and use our, our mouths the right way? We're going to talk a whole message on being a woman of excellence. We're going to break down Proverbs 31 and we're going to walk through that mother and go after it. No pun intended. We're going to see about the value of humility over pride and a few other things. So those are our topics. I think it's going to prove to be a great semester and I hope you come back. All right, let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to be here together tonight. We're so grateful for what you've done for us. Thank you for giving us your word and your wisdom. That is not just another book or another pithy statement, but is the wisdom imparted from your hand directly, or your heart directly to us. So as we go through this semester, we pray that you would give us wisdom. We ask now to the God who is all wise, We need wisdom. We acknowledge it. And we ask that you would give us wisdom, your wisdom, that you would help us in the the complexities and the trials of our life. We pray that you would give it to us generously and without reproach. We want to pray in faith. And so we even now say, God, give that to us. Please help us. We need you. Pray that you would teach us, that you would guide us, and that you would lead us into greater knowledge of you, greater fear of you, so that we might know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and stand.